0: Dear listeners, to the second episode of the 2023 Season 4 of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod, and this time I have another old favourite of this podcast. He's been here since Season 1 and now back at it again three years later for Season 4 of the podcast, which just makes me feel so old saying that. Eli Duxin, welcome back to the podcast, man. I hope you're doing well. How have you been doing?
1: been doing fantastic and uh, yeah thanks for having me back on good to uh good to launch another season but yeah i mean footy's around the corner and it's it's come quickly but it's also come very very slowly so uh yeah, keen to tuck into this episode and preview this awesome season ahead
0: and you know what's even worse is that we haven't even had the aflw to help entertain us leading into the men's season because they <laughs> yeah. put the aflw to august september last year Oh man, I tell you what, I'm so used to football starting in February. Well, I mean, technically it started in February, but now we're actually getting into proper season 40. And it starts, we're recording this on Tuesday. So it starts in two days' time on Thursday night football. So excited, but we'll get to that later on in the podcast. Our run one predictions. First, though, I want to start with your season predictions because the listeners, if they've listened to the first episode of the season, which I did with Liam Webster-McAllister, which if they haven't listened to it, they should go and listen to that after this one, of course. Uh, They know what my predictions are going to be. But let's run through your predictions for the season quickly, starting off with the big one, the grand final prediction. Who's going to be in it and why and who wins?
1: Well, as listeners of the show would know, um, I'm a Brisbane fan and it's hard to go into a season like this and in the shape that Brisbane's in without being biased. So I've tried to avoid any great big biases that I might have. So and it might might come across a little boring, um, especially compared to your tips. So I am going with Geelong Melbourne grand final. I wow. think Geelong have just Geelong were just too good last season and they showed everyone, um especially my Lions in the week before the granny. So uh, I think they're going to be too strong again. It pains me to say, uh, but credit to the whole organisation there because they've had another terrific off-season, which will have them all primed for years ahead. But I still think they're just too strong in every line. They've done it before, and there's just too much experience all over the field to really just count them out. People have counted them out before, and they keep coming back. They're still there. And they had a dominant season last year to finally uh, get through to – that premiership glory after a lot of people counted them out in various years because of the way they perform in finals, something that my lines are no stranger to. And Melbourne, again, I, look, we beat them in the semifinal, but realistically there was very little stopping them from making a back-to-back grand finals. Um, and we, had a, we just had a very, very fortuitous second half that prevented them from doing that. And sometimes you need footy, a bit of luck in footy. But I see them going back there again, especially with the Gorn Grundy partnership. I think that's going to be very interesting to watch as we move ahead. Uh, but yeah, I've got Geelong winning the grand final against Melbourne for mine. Very boring, I know, but uh, I know pre season is the time to make outlandish claims and no one can really knock you for it unless we do a review episode at the end of the year. But uh, yeah, those are my tips for the granny at this stage.
0: Mate, I like it. I like it. Big call. Um, I don't know if you've had the chance to listen to the previous podcast episode. I mean, of course you have. I know, I know you're such a big fan of this podcast. Um, but I tip the cats to finish six. So it's gonna be very interesting. I always tip them the slide down, they always they always um manage to prove me wrong. Um
1: It's mostly well, common sense thinking that surely they can't just keep coming back year after year and
0: that's what I think. That's what I think. Honestly, yeah. you know what? When they do finally fall off, I'm going to feel vindicated, even though this is going to be like the 10th time in a row that I'm tipping them to fall off. and it's <laughs> gonna happen. Um, But on to the individual awards, starting off, with, uh, starting off with Grand Final Day, who do you think is going to be Norm Smith? Do you think it's going to be a Cats player or a Demons player?
1: I think, again, to play it safe, it's got to be a Geelong player. Hmm. And I'm going to go with – this one might be a little bit more outside the box – uh, Ollie Henry, uh, he hasn't hasn't exactly cemented himself in the 22 at this stage, especially with Hawkins and Cameron to come back into the lineup, having missed the practice matches. But I still see him finding a role within that team, and I think they've uh, they've showed a lot of faith in him this preseason. And, he, I mean, practice matches aren't anything go- to go by, but he was a target for both matches, again, without Hawkins and Cameron. But I think he might be one that might fly under the radar come grand final day as that half-forward type role, it's an awkward matchup because he can play tall, but he's still very mobile on the ground. And I think he might sneak through for a few goals and a few important plays, possibly pushing up the ground. Um, he might be a bit of a moment's player in that grand final for mine. So yeah, I've got him winning the Norm Smith for that one.
0: Wow. Wow, I like it coming across from Collingwood to Geelong uh with his brother Jack Henry at the Cats. Um, could could stamp his claim in the team early in the season who knows when Hawkins is going to be fit and possibly Jeremy Cameron's wife might go into labor very very soon uh whenever that does happen wish Jezza and his wife all the best for the delivery of a healthy uh baby hope it's safe and I hope it all goes smoothly um but it could mean that for the first couple of rounds maybe both Hawkins and Cameron might be out of the Geelong forward line. And what an opportunity for young Henry. Um, I thought he did pretty well against the Hawks um, from the little bits that I saw, but I mean, again, it's against Hawthorne. So how much can you really take from that? Um, On to the big individual award, Brownlow medal.
1: Mine is, again, probably not a a massive claim, but uh, I'm going to go Tuk Miller for the Brownlow. He, yes. good man. <laughs> good man. he was there, thereabouts last season in a Gold Coast team that uh, didn't exactly set the world on fire. And I anticipate that they will do a little bit better again this season, but more on that later. Uh, and I think just with a few more wins under, wins under their belt, he might even be pushing for more three-vote games uh, than perhaps he did last season. And I think he'll be... He'll be right up in the mix, and uh, he's gone from strength to strength year in, year out. So I can't see why his ceiling has been set. So I've got a feeling he's going to, again, just keep dominating that midfield. And in a Gold Coast team that doesn't really have anyone else that can take votes off him, you know, where a Lockheed Neal might have a Josh Dunkley um, stealing votes uh, or – Again, even looking at Richmond with the additions of Taranto and Hopper, the more star players that can take votes from players in, uh, in that field or Oliver Petrarca. So I feel like he's, and he's, he's definitely the superstar on that team and I think with a few more wins, he will be able to pull a lot more freely.
0: I like it. I like it. Smart man. Smart man. Finally, I think, took it starting starting to get the recognition he deserves, which is crazy considering I'm pretty sure the last three years he finished top five in the Brownlow each season, I might be mistaken, but he's been there about that you said. But yeah, I agree with you. Finally, the Suns will have a Brownlow winner not named Gary Ablett.
1: Um, <laughs> and my my bias would definitely go towards Lockie Neal, who could have very well be going. He could have very well been a, a dual Brownlow medalist last season. Say what you will about that, but um, yeah, don't worry, Lions fans. He is definitely my pick. But to move bias aside, uh, I'm going with the fellow Queenslander into.
0: I like it. I like it. Um, maybe not the only award to be going to Queensland this season. Speaking of, uh, one of the favourites for the next award is a young Brisbane Lions player. I'm of course talking about the rising star. Uh, surely you, as a Brisbane supporter, will be backing young Will <laughs> Ashcroft. Surely.
1: Yes. Yes, I mean unequivocally, really. Um, even as a non-Brisbane fan, I think uh, logic and common sense will have you dictate that but to go someone else outside of brisbane i might throw harry shiesel up there Mm. um who might he's going to get a lot of opportunity in this north melbourne team uh and i think he's going to be a very strong candidate if he can yeah stay out on the park every every week and play a role because he looked pretty exciting in the preseason. and i know it's only preseason, but that's all we really have to base the new draftees off at this point in time so yeah he's he's another pick for me
0: I like it. I, I just want to ask a question. What do you what do you reckon? Um, a young fellow played for North Melbourne, was the number one draft pick last year, and then got sent over to Port Adelaide. Want to talk about him having a poor attitude? What do you reckon? Um, arguably the arguably the most talked about trade in the uh, in the season uh, in the off season, which is saying something. I think it's the first number one draft pick to then change club after one season since Nathan Buckley went from Brisbane to Collingwood. Imagine how great Brisbane would have been even better had he been in that midfield. Um, But what do you reckon Horn Francis uh, chances are of uh, winning the rising star this year?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I watched a bit of him play when he was at South Adelaide uh, and he, he definitely looked, looked the goods and, He probably, again, it's probably more of an attitudinal thing on his behalf that he possibly, wouldn't say underperformed, it would have been hard to perform and perform well on that North Melbourne side last year on a consistent basis. But I think there's still a lot of uh, attitudinal shifts that you can make to really progress your game. And I'm hoping he makes that one. It hasn't looked good for him so far this this offseason because he's – I don't know how or why he's done this, but he's he's, he's continued to stay in the media. His Horn Francis is always in the zeitgeist, which uh, is not something you really want as a young player still trying to prove himself. Um, and let's be honest, he's still trying to prove himself. So mm. look, there, there's no doubt he's got the potential, and hopefully, um, for his sake, that this move can untap a lot, a lot of that potential and uh, reap so uh, reap its rewards in on field performance. Um, so yeah, he's definitely definitely a big fancy. Um, I'm not sure what the qualifications are like on his any because he, he didn't I know he didn't play a lot last season, but he, he's still under the threshold, is he?
0: I think, oh, if I remember properly, and I might be wrong. Apologies, dear listen, if we do get this wrong. Um, but I think you have to be within your first three seasons, and as long as you're under the age of twenty, I think which I'm pretty sure that he falls under both categories. So he could very well win it this year if he has a standout season. Um, A little, a little talked about award, I think, and an overlooked award is the coach of the year. Who do you think that's going to be awarded to?
1: This one is a bit of an interesting one because it's hard to go past the top sides, uh, but I guess I guess for a little bit of a smoky to, and uh, not someone who might be um, a clear pick. And again, this might be people's other people's clear pick, but maybe Stewie Jew. Um, yeah. I think with a with a bit of a rise from the Gold Coast, which I'm not guaranteeing. I'm a little bit bullish on the Suns. I'll be honest. So um, I think that with a bit more of a successful season and get get more wins on the board, he's got the belief of the group and the board clearly has the faith in him to uh, keep him on. Which, as we know doesn't always mean a great deal when you've got the full support of the board. Um, often, it's not what you want exactly at all. But um, yeah, Shui choose my pick because he's had to battle through some adversity and I mean, on-field performance-wise. Uh, but I think with players with another preseason under the belt, under him, a bit more belief with the returning uh, Ben King. Uh, I think that um, um, if there is a rise from Gold Coast, I believe he'll be a big benefactor of that and win coach of the year.
0: I like it. I like it. I reckon if it's not going to be Stewie Dew, I reckon he's going to be, I reckon he's in with a good chance this year. If it's not going to be him, it's going to be Justin Longneuer. A lot of people think Fremantle are going to slide out of the top eight. Um, Understandably, you know, they, they're young. They've lost one of their best players in David Mundy, but I just think that he is such a brilliant coach and they have one of the best defenses in the competition last year. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon i'm tipping a big season from Fremantle to make the grand final and if that happens would not be surprised if he ends up winning they'll the, just about guarantee it yeah just about well potential you know commentators curse potential podcast curse you know they might now finish in the <laughs> bottom four i don't know um <laughs> on to the the awards that truly matter mark and goal of the year uh we'll start off with goal of the year Who do you, who do you think will claim it
1: Oh, this is such a trick one because I mean we saw Sam Draper nominated last year. it can really go really go either way, but oh, it's hard to look past Charlie Cameron for mine as a or I'll bring the bias out for this one because like I said it's it's a pretty hard award to predict uh, well in advance, but um, possibly another one is Isaac Rankin he might turn up mm-hmm. and kick an absolute beauty to win that award for mine.
0: I like it. I like it. Have you seen that that uh, that new mural at Windy Hill, the Sammy the Sammy Draper mural?
1: Well, funny enough, I work right next to it and uh, saw that being being painted, and um, I've heard a few mixed uh, thoughts about it. But I personally think it's kind of cool, and it's uh, it's in a pretty prime location.
0: The greatest goal that an Essendon player has kicked since Dev Zahirakis on Anzac Day, <laughs> um, and probably even since James Heard when he kicked that winner against the Eagles all
1: those years ago. Um it's not Matthew Lloyd's goal of the year winner with that back heel, which absolutely oh, that, was very,
0: that was very, very good. <laughs> <Daniel Moeller.
1: laughs>
0: that was very, very good. But I'll look, I'll be honest with you. I think Lloydy Mark of the Year, the year after that was a far more deserving winner than when absolutely. he won goal of the year. And I love Lloydy. Don't no, get me wrong. Um on to speaking of uh, Mark of the Year, who do you think is gonna win Mark of the Year?
1: Well, I've obviously got Isaac Heaney just at the top of my head because he's uh now, can I'm I'm to, can we... putting around. It could be that it could be that, um. And he's yeah. I remember when the market that he won, uh, was quite a memorable one. But yeah, I'm just trying to think of some other high flyers. Oh, I know there are so many, but when you need to think of one, they they all totally escape you. So yeah, I've, I've really got no idea. Michael Junior Rioli, I guess. Oh, I'll throw one up there. I know he's not known for his springboard, uh, hops. Much like his counterpart in Liam Ryan, or former counterpart. Um, I guess current counterpart is a small forward. Uh, but, yeah, I'll go Junior Rale. I'll throw his name up there.
0: I like it. I like it. Big call. I like it. I, am... I don't
1: even know if he's got any hops, to be honest. That might be a stupid <laughs> call.
0: <laughs> I'm tipping. I think I think partially you're just tipping that because he's a small player, and it's often the small players who have the most <laughs> spectacular leap. Um, exactly. I am tipping a pretty terrible season for the Bulldogs, but I think the one of the sole highlights will be that it will be a Western Bulldogs player winning mark of the year. And I am tipping a young Sam Darcy to win it. And Ooh. I'm just looking at him in the preseason, looking at him fly against North Melbourne, just absolutely incredible the leap he has on him. Um, would not be surprised if it was the astronaut or yeah. even Cody Waitman. Remember that amazing mark he took on top of Max Gorn, in 2021, one of the best marks I've ever seen. Um, even Jamara was, can get up too. Yeah, it could be Jamara, but I am I'm sticking with Sam Darcy. took a great grab in the preseason and would not be surprised if he, um, if he ruled the skies, uh, in the Bulldogs forward line. It's going to be really exciting to see him just launch for the footy. Um, as for goal of the year, uh, so It used to be just so easy. you used to just say Eddie Betts and it would be a short <laughs> thing that he would go and win it. Um, I am tipping if it's well, it's not going to be him. You know what? Why not? It's going to be McDonald tipping Woody back playing footy in the final 10 seconds of whatever game it's going to be and he's going to win the game off the boot uh, like he did against North Melbourne in 2019. <laughs> and North Melbourne supporters, I'm sorry for bringing that up, but also I'm not sorry for bringing that up. Um, those are the awards. Now we go to the main talking points heading.
1: It, not so much Coleman, heading round one. In what we, sorry? Do you have a Coleman prediction in there?
0: Oh, Coleman. Did I ask you about the Coleman
1: medal? You did not. Um, oh,
0: and... so, so that's terrible. I call myself an Essendon supporter. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm so sorry.
1: I'm I so thought sorry. When you were talking you. about forgotten awards. It was going to be the Coleman, and then you forgot about. The I
0: Coleman. forgot the Coleman. Oh no. Okay, I I do apologise about that. But um, <laughs> look, Buddy Franklin surely in his last season, he's a lock for it. Surely.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he will cement himself as. I mean, he's, he's already one of the great players of the game. But. Um, if he, if he wins a common and he's what's I think he's confirmed to be his final season, that will be bloody bloody impressive. Um, I'm not going the buddy route for mine. It'll be Max King. Uh, I think I mean he kicked 53 goals last season, and uh, I think that would have been a top 10 finish or even just outside the top five. Don't have the exact number on me, but he was he got a bit of stick for missing some goals, especially against Brisbane. Um, but I, I think. With another preseason under his belts, uh, as, as a still a very young key forward. Um, I'm sure he might he would have worked at whatever he needed to work on with his goal kicking over the over the summer. Not that there's a, a massive uh need for it, uh just a bit of refining, and I think that might get him over the line to win the Coleman this season. And in fact, if he is to win the Coleman, that is going to be very important for St. Kilda's hopes moving up the ladder because. Look, I think everyone might have, everyone probably thought they underperformed, and it's, it's certainly like St. Kilda to do that. But uh, with who knows, with Ross the Boss back in charge, they might soar up the ladder. And I'm thinking Max King will play a big part in that.
0: I like it. I like it. Lest I am mistaken, and by me, I'm talking about Wikipedia. Unless Wikipedia is mistaken, Buddy Franklin is currently on 341 games, which means that when he plays 350, he will become the first player to achieve more than a thousand goals, more than 350 games in the same career, which is incredible. And he is only 33 goals away from achieving the 500 goal mark with the Sydney Swans, becoming the only player, I believe, to kick 500 goals for two teams.
1: Wow. Well, that just that goes is... to
0: show how unbelievable he is and that is with missing the entire 2020 season
1: i was going to say he's missed a lot of football over the journey so he would have done that easily i mean it's easy to say hypothetically if someone stays fit for their entire career which is very hard to do with the pace of the game especially nowadays but uh geez he could have been knocking on the door of 400 if you if he could stay in the park which no one's expecting him to but it's bloody impressive
0: Absolutely, I see we did there, buddy. Impressive, very, very <laughs> funny pun. Very funny pun. Um, now this section is a little bit, a little bit unusual, a bit different. Um, because there isn't a previous round to discuss the main talking points out of. What we're going to do is we're going to predict what the top three talking points are going to be coming out of round one. And if it's all right, I think I'm going to start. If that's okay, I think your sure. automatically going to turn to the round two clash between St Kilda and the Western Bulldogs we'll get into the predictions later on but I'm predicting both teams to have a pretty brutal round one start to the season I think the dogs have gone too tall in their forward line and I think Melbourne is one of the few defenses that can actually contain such a tall forward line as what the dogs will probably head into Saturday with um And St. Kilda just have no forwards available at the moment all through injuries. And I know Fremantle have no forwards through, well, just not having many forwards on their list. But Fremantle is one of the best defences in the competition. So I think that both teams are heading for a big loss in round one, which sets up a monster round two clash between the two teams. And the loser of that will be under a mountain of pressure. Because imagine... The dogs have just signed extended Luke Beveridge. They don't want to start zero and two, and imagine Ross the boss at St Kilda. They backstabbed Brett Ratton, and imagine it goes through all that drama for a zero and two start to the season, and they play their bogey team, us, (laughs) in round three. So yeah, I think it's going to be a huge round two game. That's going to be one of the main talking points to come out of round one is that round two clash. But we'll go to you, Eli. What's what's your kind of main or one of the main talking points to come out of
1: round one? For mine, I think it could be something to do with Toby Green. And historically, that's something that has been connected with maybe some sort of controversy. But for mine, I think having the sole captain duties, and yeah, he's he's been captain... Uh, over the journey, when especially last season when Cornelio was in and out. But I think we're going to see a bit of a turning point with the way that he approaches his footy. And naturally, the position that he plays and the role that he plays, he's going to be stirring the pot at times. But I feel like similar to Dane Zorco in last year's semi final, where after following the Harry Petty incident, he could have very easily turned on the aggression again. Um, really tried to work through that, but he tried to disregard that as much as possible and just play footy. And I think Toby Green will do something similar. And uh, I think he's really going to take it in his stride, this captaincy. So I feel like it's going to be some sort of discussion around Toby Green maturing and yeah, really it's it's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a fork in the road, which way does he go? And I think he's going to go the right way and, and not, I wouldn't say prove people wrong or shut people up because that, that wouldn't be what he's trying to do. But I think people might see that he's not the guy. He's he's not doing it to be an instigator, like to everyone. I'm sure he does. Uh maybe internally. But um, yeah, I feel like we're gonna see him mature a lot this season with his role. And that's probably gonna be brought on a lot. Uh with I suppose with the the new coach in Kingsley. Um, I reckon there might be, yeah, a bit of a Bit more reason for him to to be that senior player in that senior role as captain. Um, and yeah, have a lot of people maybe turn or change their opinions on him. I know they won't, you know, because of his history, and people probably tuning out thinking, Shut up, you've got no idea. Toby Green sucks, we hate him. Um, but yeah, I feel like we might see a little bit of a different side like Toby around uh, one and throughout the season.
0: I like it, I like it a lot. That is a big call indeed. Um, I think the second kind of main talking point will come out of the game between Hawthorne and Essendon on Sunday. And I'm not just saying that because my team's involved or I'm going to be there. Um, I think these two teams will be probably in the bottom six at best 12th come the end of the season as such with two of the youngest teams in the competition. This game presents the only opportunity really for probably for a little while. I mean, Essendon has an okay start to the season fixture wise, but to probably get a, to, to get, to get a win in a game that both teams should win both games. Both teams should head into this chock full of confidence that they should win. Um, It's a look for the future for both clubs. It's also a look to the past for Hawthorne celebrating 40 years since something happened in the 1983 grand final. I don't know. Um, but I think it's it's an important game because whoever loses, especially if one team wins comfortably, um, the pressure will be huge on the other one because it's two clubs that have traditionally been very successful, Hawthorne more successful than Essendon of late, but who are in deep, deep, deep rebuilds. And that pressure is going to come pretty heavily, I think, on whoever loses, especially if it's a comfortable loss. If Hawthorne loses comfortably, that decision to let go of over a 1,000 games of experience at the end of 2022 is going to come into sharp focus. And if Essendon loses, especially if we lose comfortably, that decision to let go of uh, of Truck at the end of last year and in the embarrassing manner that that happened um, will definitely come into focus as well. So I think it's a big game, aside from just being, you know, two traditional rivals meeting and the 40th anniversary when these two teams played each other in a grand final, um, I think it's a it's a huge 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 game, and the ramifications are big for the losers. Um, what about you, Elon?
1: I flagged it a little bit earlier, but I think something to do with obviously the the way the new recruits perform is something that the practice matches are, are great in highlighting. But we're really going to get a good look at around one, so I think there's going to be some sort of discussion around the Grundy Gorn partnership. People have probably, and myself including, I know Max Gorn said the same thing in an interview, I think it was with Marty Shegold, uh that he was a little bit surprised when Melbourne were, or there was discuss, there were discussions that uh, Brody Grundy would be coming to Melbourne. And for me too, I was like, well, why would they do that? You know, they've probably got arguably the best Ruckman in the game at the moment, and they're going to go get Grundy as well. How's that going to work? But i think uh if if assuming both are available for for round one, I haven't heard otherwise. um you can correct me if I'm wrong there, casper, but uh, I think that yeah, there'll be discussion around how well that worked, especially the way Melbourne plays and getting getting a tall back behind the ball, uh, it's gonna be pretty hard to stop having having both out in the park.
0: I like it, I like it um. The third main talking point, I think will be the Brisbane Port Adelaide game, um, particularly because I think it's such a crucial game for both teams. Uh, Brisbane it was such a roller coaster year last year at Alliance. You know you had stretches where they looked really unconvincing and they've had some ugly losses, but the two finals when they when they had were just incredible. They're really incredible. And he had someone like Jonathan Brown still talking about how disappointing the season was and how unconvincing they were. He's saying, you know, they shouldn't have been in Richmond with that goal uh, controversy at the end of that game. Um, and they, they got blown away in the prelim final. We had another lost final. Um, this is a game. Hostile territory. 50,000 people probably at the Adelaide Oval. a Port Adelaide Football Club that will be baying for blood. I don't even know if I'm using that phrase properly or if that phrase even exists, but I'm using it here. (laughs) Um, I think it will be a... uh, It's a difficult game, and these two teams play each other really closely. Last year was really good, a great game of football. But I think that the Lions mm, are expected to win, and if they don't, then the pressure will come on them and people, I think, will start talking about them again as being, you know, false contenders. As for Port Adelaide, this is a crucial year for Ken Hinckley. It's a brutal start to the season. They cannot afford to go 0-5 and again. And what a great opportunity to get a win against a premiership contender at home nice and early. If they don't, God forbid, if they get blown out of the water... Can you imagine the pressure that Ken Hinckley will be under if that happens? If they start the season zero and five, starting with a bad loss to the Lions, I would not be surprised if Ken Hinkley is out the door come round six. Um, it is it is that difficult of a situation for them. So I think whatever the situation is there, whoever loses, pressure is going to come for them. But especially Port Adelaide. If if they win, then I think it'll be a massive pressure reliever for Ken Hinkley. But if they lose. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised if the uh, the heat is turned right up. On to your third talking
1: point. Mine's probably similar to to your last one there, but uh, in the opposite direction with Gold Coast. If Mm -hmm. they can get a win first up against Sydney, uh, and I know it's it might be reaching for the stars a little bit, but uh, I wouldn't. It's not entirely impossible, you know. And uh, impossible? Impossible? Did I say impossible? That's poor.
0: It's it's been lot. Un um, impossible well, yeah,
1: um, that you said impossible, <laughs> so um, yeah, I think Sydney jumped Brisbane a couple of seasons ago in round one, and it could be the case for Gold Coast that I'm not saying they're gonna um be steep rises, but it it could really showcase to the whole competition that they have taken a step up uh. The likes of Matty Row and Noah Anderson stepping up into that midfield and uh, with another preseason uh, to their name, uh, really bolstering that side. Hopefully, Lockie Weller stays on the park a little bit more this year. Uh, I think if they can get a win first up, there's going to be a lot more discussion around Gold Coast and their form, and people taking more notice because they're formed by the wayside. I think they've they've been close to finals maybe one season, but that hasn't been all that recently. So I think that. Yeah, people might start to take notice of Gold Coast, even if they lose valiantly um and, and put in put in a really strong performance. Uh, they've been so inconsistent over the last couple of seasons, but they've showed patches where they're really, really exciting to watch and can do some damage if they're on. So I think it's a matter of staying on for them. But yeah, a win for them will really do them the world of good, or at least, like I said, a strong loss. I know it's 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 still hard to take, but um, they certainly do exist. So Yeah, I think there might be a little bit more talk around the Gold Coast Suns should they put in a strong performance against Sydney.
0: I like it. I like it. Well, enough beating around the bush. Let's get into the most important part of this episode, which is, of course, the round one predictions. And it starts off Thursday night football on a huge, huge, huge opening night of the season. It always is. But this time, finally, we actually have a season where both of these teams should play finals football, which hasn't happened in Yonks. And it's Richmond versus Carlton, like always. Eli, you could start us off with who wins by how much and why.
1: This is said to be a cracking game, and you know, I'm so glad that it's back to being the first game of the season. Uh, as has been tradition, hasn't always been a great game, but I think... Both teams are as well placed to to have a cracker first game of the season than, than ever. So um, I'm anticipating a close game, but I think with the additions uh, of Tim Taranto, Jacob Hopper into that Richmond side, I think they're going to be really hard to go past uh, into what was already a, a really strong side. So yeah, I've got I've got Richmond winning this one, but my the football fan of me is hoping for sub two goals. a yeah, very, very strong contest.
0: I like it. I like it. I'm tipping the Tigers as well. I just think there are some teams that match up really well against other teams, and I think Richmond matches up really well against Carlton. This should be a ripping game, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's closer than what I've tipped it. I've tipped Richmond by 14 points. Um, I would not be surprised if Carlton won, but I just think that Richmond's depth is a little bigger. They're a little more mature. Carlton tend to, I think, kind of choke in big games. So, yeah, I'm tipping Richmond. It should be a ripper, and I reckon about eighty to 85,000 people, which, if it's more than 80,000, would be the biggest round one uh, home crowd crowd between these two teams since this tradition started. Um, The current record is 83,000 people back in 2009. That was the game where Ben Cousins tore his home and Carlton kicked eight goals in the first quarter, and game was over. Hopefully, this game will be a lot closer than that. When um, you were
1: saying, uh, Carlton, as uh, historically aren't great in big games, were you referring to any particular games late in the season last year or was that just us in general?
0: Uh, well, the Essendon supporter in me wants to say in general, but I'm definitely referring to last season in a lot of big games. And it wasn't just late last year. It was throughout the second half of the season, really. I mean, uh, it's, they beat us in our anniversary game, bastards. Um, but after that, they lost to Richmond on another Thursday night game. They lost to St. Kilda on a Friday night game by like five goals in a game that was really perplexing. Um, They had a great win against Fremantle in a, a huge game, but then the last four were just really confusing. I mean, they lost to Adelaide by five goals for crying out loud, and the Crows were a bottom six team. So, Anyways, I'm tipping Richmond by 14 points. Uh, On to Geelong versus Collingwood at the MCG. Uh, Potentially another crowd of 80 plus thousand people. I think I'm tipping Collingwood to regress a little bit in 2023. Um, I am tipping Geelong to regress as well. But I think Geelong just have way too much class to be losing a a game like this. Um, And I'm tipping the Cats to continue the winning streak. Uh, into what I think will be 17 straight wins if they win, um, which is an incredible record. Um, caps by nine points.
1: Yeah, hard to go past Geelong. Uh, totally agree. But yeah, again, what a great first two games of the season. It's uh, The AFL is really putting on a showcase, and I hope uh, both teams are up to the challenge and producing a great game. But um, although Collingwood probably Geelong's biggest test, Especially in that uh, the, f- the first final, and uh, I think a few weeks prior to that, um, I see. I, yeah, I think Geelong are too strong, and um, I can't tip them winning the grand final if I don't know they can beat Collingwood round one. So yeah, I've got Geelong. Um, I'm going to go quite easily by four or five goals.
0: I like it. I like it. I think it's called the True Footy Podcast on YouTube. A great YouTube uh, AFL channel. They've declared it's the true blockbuster. Of the round one, I'm, of course, talking about North Melbourne versus (laughs) that Marvel Stadium, 18th versus 17th. Um, Last two games between these two teams have been epic. North Melbourne, new coach, obviously, West Coast. uh, Hopefully, both teams hoping for a turnaround last year. Both teams just won two games each last season. Um, I want to ask you, Eli, who wins this one in a battle of the duds?
1: Well, I I went to this matchup last year. Uh, my girlfriend and her family are North Melbourne supporters, so I was dragged along. Ooh, and my this, condolences yeah, to your girlfriend
0: and her family.
1: Yes, yes, correct, but condolences to me too because that was a very <laughs> poor game to watch. Um, I think that was one of the games West Coast had 10 fill-ins. Um, the, uh, yeah, a few blokes, I'm just like, really? These these guys are footy players? And sure enough, they're, they're, they're still outstanding footballers, um, but because we haven't seen them before, I was like, did this guy play AFL
0: seriously? It was like AFL versus the waffle,
1: <laughs> yeah, essentially. So, but yeah, moving to this year, um, I think, uh, if my girlfriend and her father are listening, um, they wouldn't like me very much if I went against North Melbourne. So, I'm going to go North Melbourne, uh, sister in law is working there as of late last year, so I'm, I've been hearing nothing but friendly updates as we do in the off season, um. But yeah, I've got North Melbourne winning this in, yeah, look, not a great contest. <laughs> of, I like uh, it. No, no real reason there. That's, uh, yeah, Northage is going to win. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. Preserve the relationship. Smart man. Um, <laughs> I am also tipping North Melbourne to win. They say beware the uh, team that is being coached by a new coach for the first time. But I think that's especially true when that new coach is the greatest coach of our time um, even with all the racism allegations levied against him. I still think that he's going to put on an absolute coaching masterclass. I think the saving grace of this game is going to be low scoring. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be dour, but it's going to be a nail biter. I'm tipping North Melbourne by three points after the siren goal to Harry Sheevil. Let's you go. go. Stick it right up all those anti-Semitic bullies online, kicking the winning goal in round one. Harry Shiesel, great start to what should be a great football career. Wouldn't be surprised if he ends up a Brownlow medalist one day, but that is the future. And instead we're talking about round one, Brisbane, Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide hosting Brisbane, I should say, at the Adelaide Oval. Um, I'm tipping Brisbane to win the premiership. I'm tipping Port Adelaide to just week into the finals. That is why I am tipping brisbane to win this game and win it comfortably by 26 points to hit pressure on ken hinkley could this game potentially be an upset uh i could possibly see that happening because i think everyone's been pumping up the lions and the only way they could lose this is if they buy into their own brilliance but i can't imagine them doing that and i'm sorry but they just seem to have a great matchup on Port Adelaide whenever they've played them. I think the last time Port Adelaide beat Brisbane was, like, 2017, which was when, which was when Brisbane were really terrible and Port made the top four. So I'm tipping the uh, – not top four, top eight, I should say. I'm tipping the Lions to win comfortably just under five balls.
1: Yeah, I'd like to hope the same. Uh, D- Dane Zorka, Darcy Gardner missing isn't going to help, so it will be interesting to see heavy line-up in the back line. Obviously, Jack Payne, who's had a terrific pre-season, did a lot of great things late last year. Um, he's going to be at luck with Harris Andrews, so I think Dara Joyce is likely to be that third tall if we opt to go that way, um, unless the Rainer or Brandon Stasevich plays as a taller, taller defender. Um, I mean, not that we can confirm that Cameron is playing Halfback, we'll we'll find out um on the weekend, but everything's suggesting so far that he will be. But um yeah, I still think even even with that lack of personnel, um, despite Port's tall forward line, uh yeah, I think I've got us winning this one pretty comfortably. But again, um I'm a biased Brisbane supporter who's a very bullish about our season ahead. <laughs>
0: I like it. I like it. On to Melbourne and the Bulldogs at the MCG once again in round one, second year in a row. that This has happened. Uh, a lot of Bulldog supporters, when this fixture was released last year, were saying, When are we going to get a round one game at home? Meanwhile, I'm here as a Sydney Swan supporter thinking we haven't played at home in round one since 2016. So, you know what? You can <laughs> shut the. Anyways, um, <laughs> I. Oh, sorry. It's your turn. We're going in order. We're taking turns. How about you, Deeds or Dogs?
1: Oh yeah. Look, I mean, you outlined the reasons earlier with uh, Dogs tall forward line. Uh, Melbourne are really well placed to combat that. Um, and again, assuming that Grundy and Gorn are available, um, I think there's there's even more reason, and or there's even that's uh, another way that Melbourne can combat that that tallness, if you will. With replacing an all-Australian ruckman with another all-Australian ruckman, and the one of those all-Australian ruckmen sending themselves back deeper to uh, be an aerial interceptor of some capacity. So, yeah, I've got demons winning this one uh, again. I think Clayton Oliver is is a superstar, and he's he looked he's looked outstanding so far in the preseason. Um, so uh, again, he's much like Tuke Miller. I don't think his ceiling has been met yet. Um, which is pretty crazy to think about. So yeah, I think there's just too much class in this demon's outfit, and they're going to win. I'm going to say by three goals. So not, it won't be a blowout. Dogs will stay with them, but um, I mean, the dogs stayed with them for three quarters uh, a couple of years ago in the cranny. So um, who and it ended up being end up twelve goals,
0: goals in the end.
1: Amazingly, yeah, yep. <laughs> who who are you going with this one, Casper? You, I'm assuming these for the reasons you outlined earlier.
0: Deeds for the reason I outlined earlier. I think Melbourne, unless the game is at Marvel Stadium, I think Melbourne has the Dogs' measure. And I'm tipping the Demons to win by 31 points in a comfortable victory. Um, I just think with Grundy and Gorn, I'd say the Dogs' uh, backline is going to really struggle. Even people who think the dogs are going to go well with this year. I've I've talked to some of them and I've always said to them, what about their back line? And they say, what about their midfield and their forward line? But what about their back line? And even some of them admit that their back line is pretty poor. And I think they're they're going to be exposed this weekend. Uh, Gold Coast versus Sydney. Nat, I had to look up the name of this stadium because it's recently changed. I was going to call it Metricon. It's not Metricon anymore. It's Heritage Bank Stadium on the Gold Coast. Uh, Suns, I think... This is a upset question mark. I don't know. It probably isn't upset because of where the teams finished last year, but I don't know if it should be because the Suns have the Swans measure over the last few years. Ever since that went in 2018, I don't know if you remember, the Suns had like 12 losses in a row coming into this. The Swans were like top four and the Suns beat Sydney for the first time at the SCG holding the Swans goal list in like consecutive quarters it was an incredible performance ever since then the Suns have performed really well against Sydney Um, even at the SCG and this game being on the Gold Coast I think what a great opportunity for the Suns to come out and stamp their authority and last year their forward line looked so dangerous at times and that was with King missing so imagine King back It's going to be huge. And I think the Swans have really started seasons very slowly after losing grand finals. Um, 2015, nearly lost to an Essendon team that didn't have a preseason at all. 2016, lost the first six games of the season the year after that. So I think the Suns will win by 16 points. Would not be surprised if it's a low-scoring game. But yeah, I'm tipping the Suns to continue their recent hot streak against the Swans. What about you?
1: Well, look, I thought this one might have been my my point of difference and seasons the time for outlandish claims uh, as as I mentioned earlier. But I was gonna go to the Suns as well. And mm. like logic and common sense would probably think, well, Sydney are gonna win this and probably win comfortably. And if they do, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. But yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you. I'm gonna go Gold Coast. And like you said, Ben King is a big addition into that into that team. He will combat the the McCartan boys down back. Um or theory will suggest so. Um so yeah, I, I'm, I'm bullish on the Suns this year, and I think I have been in the past and have been proven wrong because they have showed glimpses, like I mentioned earlier. But um, yeah, oh, I've, got, I've got the Suns winning this one, and I'm I'm hoping I'm going to go less than a goal uh, because Ooh. if that if that D's Dogs game does turn out to be a blowout, uh, we can just switch the channel and and watch the Suns and Swans game.
0: I like it. I like it. I envy those who have Foxtel being able to do that. On to GW I'm w- leeching off
1: my parents, so it's uh, yeah. uh I can't brag too hard. Hey,
0: right. so am I, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> leeching off my parents, not leeching off your parents, of course.
1: Uh well not that
0: I know of anyways. Daddy um, told me
1: no. Yeah, well, yeah.
0: Don't worry, yeah, keep it secret between you and me. But anyways, on to <laughs> Sunday's matches, GWS versus Adelaide. Uh I oh, this is I'll let you go first, but I think this game could be intriguing.
1: Yeah I agree. I agree it's it's very tough to to predict cuz I mean Brody Smith came out recently and has said that Adelaide aren't hoping to win games or expecting to win games and um obviously finals is a very very ambitious um, destination for them but uh, again they they've shown glimpses of some really quality football over the last uh, couple of seasons. I mean they ended Melbourne's unbeaten streak a couple of seasons ago and um they've put in a lot of big performances since then but haven't been able to sustain for four quarters, which uh, has probably blemished their record a little bit. But and it's hard to tell what the Sun, uh, Giants are going to be because, again, you still look at their team and they've got a lot of star power all over the field and some quality young players coming through. But um, last year, I thought they were probably going to perform better than what they did. So it's hard to really place these two teams at this point. And uh, tipping is always very, very difficult early on. But so if anyone gets uh, nine tips, this one send it into the podcast, Uh, send a Facebook message on the page, and show us your tips. You, I'm sure Casper might give you a shout out for the next one if if you get them all correct. So um, yeah, I reckon I reckon uh, it's a toss of the coin. This one, I'm I'm going to go Giants um, because I mentioned Toby Green earlier. Um, I'm going to tip him to have a big game and, and. possibly rip it away from the crows but yeah toss the coin here
0: mate you're an absolute genius do you want to do, do you want to do you want to run this podcast because i think <laughs> you can do a better job than what i'm doing that's an amazing idea leave your tips in the comment section on the through the banner facebook page and don't forget to like share it we treat put it on twitter whatever you got to do to spread the word and if you get every single tip correct i will give you a shout out on the episode next week. A personal shout-out. How about that, Eli? You are a freaking genius. Um, but you're wrong about this game. I think the pros <laughs> are um, in. I was w- waiting for the but. <laughs> I've tipped the Giants. I've tipped the Giants to finish last. I think the Crows will challenge for finals. Um, I don't trust Adelaide to win this comfortably, even though on paper they should, especially with that forward line. I think that forward line was really underrated. That forward line is very, very exciting, especially with exciting new uh, captain Jordan Dawson. Uh, still, kind of salty that the fact that the Swansland go for absolutely nothing. But I think the Crows will win by thirteen points. I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants took it up to them, but. I don't know. I just think there's too little talent left in that GWS team to to beat a team like the Crows. Um, on to the true match of the round, Hawthorne versus Essendon at the MCG. Um, okay, so I'm an Essendon supporter, in case you didn't know that, dear listener. Um I cannot tip against us this early in the season, no matter how much logic would dictate. I think this game is a genuine 50-50 matchup heading into it. Two young teams, both with experience out, Hawthorne through trading them all away, Essendon through injuries, especially Jake Stringer being ruled out. Um, But I think <laughs> big Sunday afternoon clash at the MCG with the occasion of the 40th, anniversary of the 83 grand final I think Essendon will spoil the celebrations do I have logic behind this partially I think Essendon's forward line if they can kick straight is far too dangerous for Hawthorne to be able to contain I don't trust Hawthorne's defense to do anything of note I mean Peter Wright tore them to shreds and he was pretty inaccurate when he did that if he kicks straight he could have an absolute field day and that's not including their new Sam Wiedemann, who looked very good during the preseason. McDonald, Tip and Woody, he's had flashes. Uh, Elwin Davey Junior's looked very exciting, and I hope that he gets a chance to play. Um, Even with some of their forward options, like Nick Martin and Jake Stringer not playing, I think Essendon's going to win by four goals.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. And is another one of those teams sitting outside the eight that has showed glimpses and just hasn't quite sustained it. Um, glimpses might be the keyword uh, for, for me, this podcast, um, but yeah, I, I, I've got to agree with you Hawthorne, just losing that experience. They they just seem to be in a genuine rebuild phase and there's nothing wrong with that under Sam Mitchell, but again, under Sam Mitchell who um, I think it was Will Schofield credited as one of the key pillars behind their 2018 grand final when he was in there as a coach. I wouldn't, uh, you can never count out the, that quality, but, um, but uh, I just don't think they have enough quality on field to be able to get this game. I think best result is if Hawthorne showed the same fight they showed in the intra-club matches, there could be another line in the sand moment. And I think that might be the most exciting thing to come out of this game, to be honest. Sorry to say, but um, yeah, I've, I've got Essendon winning this one.
0: I mean, I heard Lloydie say that he's, you know, leading with the club to get nasty. So who knows? Maybe we'll be lining the sand, but reverse. Would love a similar winning margin for the Bombers in that game. That was great. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, okay. Richie
1: Vandenberg named his sub for Hawthorne, I heard. so yeah,
0: Campbell Brown. <laughs> Apparently, I I lived down the road from him um, when I was living in Hawthorne East just after that game, and as soon as I knew that it was kind of like that little scruffy um that scruffy gift. Oh, let me Adam, oh, let me Adam, oh, let me Adam. Um, is that I then didn't get eaten by a velociraptor. Um, on to Marvel Stadium, uh, St Kilda versus Fremantle, Battle of Ross Lions, two favorite football clubs in the land, um. This is fascinating. I remember the first time that these two teams played each other when Ross Lyon was coach at Fremantle and the hostile reception that he received. Um, He's still at the same ground, so he doesn't have to worry about as hostile a reception. Um, but Eli, the Saints have been hammered with injuries. It's ridiculous how many injuries they have. They don't have a functioning forward line. Surely they can't win this.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, and I mean, I I probably made a big claim that Max can win the Coleman despite him missing the first few rounds of the year, but I won't make as big a claim to say that they're going to beat Fremantle. Um, I'm with you, Fremantle won't slide this year. Uh, They're only going to improve, and they looked a very dangerous team last year, Um, I mean, they showed it against the Lions. I can't remember when it was, but that was over at Optus Stadium, and they they really tore us to shreds. I think the margin was a bit flattering for us in that case, but um, yeah, I've got Fremantle winning this one comfortably. I'm going to go. This could be a blowout and up to eight or nine goals. Fremantle is going to make a big statement, even though St Kilda isn't a team to make a big statement against. But it's probably going to prove to a lot of people that Fremantle is going to be up around the top and competing with a big, strong performance. Not just a, not just a strong win, because like I said, the opposition won't be the, the St Kilda far from the benchmark. But I think they're going to put a lot of people on notice uh, with this with a commanding win.
0: I like it. I like it. I think, I mean, I don't think there's much for me to explain here. I've tipped Fremantle to make the grand final. I've tipped St Kilda for the bottom six this season. So uh, (laughs) that's with with all their players coming back. They don't have a forward line. They're going to have to start getting players from the Sandringham Football Club to help fill in uh before too long i'm tipping i'm tipping Fremantle to win pretty comfortably that leads us on to a new kind of i don't want to say segment but a new addition to the podcast this season dear listener uh, we are going to go with the games that we're each most looking forward to but we're, before that we're going to do lock of the week the tip that if you would gamble your house on one of these results happening which by the way would not recommend gamble responsibly we are for responsible gambling on this podcast Actually, we're against gambling, but that's besides the point. If you were to gamble your house on a result, which result would that be? I'll start. I think Fremantle to beat St. Kilda. Uh, Big call. It's at Marvel Stadium. The Dockers don't tend to do too well at Marvel Stadium. They got blown out by Carlton there last year. But what an opportunity to grab a big statement win early in Melbourne. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a blowout. What about you, Eli? Which game is your lock?
1: yeah, it would have been that one. um to make an outlandish claim and not something that would have put the house on could have been the Gold Coast performance, but I wouldn't get I wouldn't put my house on that, not that I own one. but um to I think I'm gonna have to go D's dogs. Uh, I think demons, I can't say demons losing that one. um but yeah, it's a tough one. like, like I said, it's gonna be tough to tip nine this week. Um, it always is tough round one, but I think especially this week, the AFL's done a pretty good job of putting in some pretty good matchups in there. So beyond that Saints game, I wouldn't feel very comfortable putting high stakes on any of the results. So if I had to pick one, it probably would be or one that wasn't yours. It probably would be the Demons winning that one against the Doggies.
0: I like it. I like it. On to the game you're most looking forward to. Uh, what's What's your tip there? Which game are you most looking forward to? Try to not be biased.
1: Yeah, well, naturally it would be the Brisbane game. Um, but I think outside of that, it's got to be the Geelong-Collingwood one. Um, I, I think it's probably, like you said, uh, same as the Richmond carlton one, it's probably going to be a great atmosphere. Uh, people back to the footy, another packed MCG crowd. Um, trying to weasel my way into some MCC tickets with my mates. Ross, if you're listening, sort it out, please. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if they're doing guest passes, but um, yeah, my hand's up. But uh, he's a Collingwood fan, by the way, so I think he's going to be going for sure. So um, yeah, that is probably the game. I think it's probably Friday night footy. What's not to love about it? Two big, two big clubs. I mean, the reigning premiers um, and a team that really took it up to them when not a lot of clubs did in the second half of the year. Um, sure, the sure the probably instances, but I think Collingwood looked. If it was a grand final matchup, Collingwood probably would have produced the better game. I think um, with the last four teams remaining in the preliminary finals, so um, you hate to say it, I know you, there's there's a there's a, <laughs> there's a wide grimace on your face there, Casper, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that game. But uh, yeah, well, so what are you, what are you looking forward to? Because I can't imagine it would be the Essendon Hawthorn game. It's not exactly a blockbuster. You mentioned that Gold Coast could be beating the Swans. So, what are you most looking forward to?
0: Well, I tell you what. After that grand, after that grand final comment, this might be the last time I have you on the podcast. This week. <laughs> um, but no, in all seriousness, um, if I was to leave bias out of this, it would be Richmond and Carlton. I think two teams that will be around the same mark as each other, two big rival rivals that hate each other, start of the football season should be an eighty thousand plus crowd on a Thursday night. Hopefully, the weather's good. Not too hot not raining fingers crossed but it is Melbourne who knows it could come be on, Melbourne hot. it could be too hot and too rainy at the same time um I I can't think of a better uh, a better a better game to start the season with than, you know in in previous years when Carlton were terrible and before that when Richmond were terrible people might you know have given an eye roll to this game but I think what a great game to start the season with two big powerful clubs and I think it's going to be an absolute blockbuster but with that being said, I love going to the footy. Even when even, you know, if my team's terrible or if the game's terrible, I just said something about being in a crowd and it's just it's so exciting. But no, I'm tipping. Uh I think Essen and Horses game must look forward to, especially if like what I tipped, we win. Fingers crossed. Bombers, don't screw this up for me. Um, Eli, look, thank you so much for joining me. I wish you all the best for Saturday. Uh, hopefully Brisbane get the victory against Port Adelaide for your sake and for the sake of my tipping as well.
1: Thank you, Casper. Thanks for having me. Good to be back and yeah, very excited for this season ahead and especially round one, some big games there and very keen for Thursday night to roll around. It's uh, It's been a slow summer of watching the Aussies tear apart some lesser opposition in our summer than capitulating early in the Indian series. So for footy to be back, very gracious.
0: Yeah, hopefully Essendon will be like Australia during the third test and not like <laughs> Australia during the second test, fingers crossed. That, that um, could be
1: a new measurement for, for the season yeah. ahead. What kind of Australian cricket were you?
0: Yeah, that's not quite a bad idea. Eli Duxon, ladies and gentlemen, round of applause for all the great ideas he's coming up with for this podcast. Um, but thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. Don't forget to leave your comment with your predictions in the comment section on Facebook when this podcast goes out so that we can give you a shout out if you get it right. Otherwise, see you next week. Sayonara.